0: haven't seen you since February. Fuck I know it's a little late, but are you good to talk now? You look like you've been out drinking. (laughs) Maybe a bit too much.
1: Yeah, you caught me. I just got back.
0: Well, there's nothing wrong with it. We are old enough now, after all. I've gone drinking with some people from work myself. In fact, let's go out together next time we meet up. With the others, too, of course.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. I'm guessing you're pretty busy now with your work at the inspectorate.
0: Oh, it's certainly challenging. I've no doubt your job is the same. Like I thought this job has shown me the seedy underbelly of the government. Half the time, it's very fulfilling work. The other half, my hands are tied and I'm completely powerless.
1: That sounds pretty serious.
0: <laughs> well, it's the same for you, right? Elliot told me about your trip to Sutherland the other day. Movement from Ouroboros, government schemes. Seems things are getting pretty fishy over there.
1: Yeah, I guess by this point, I'm just used to all that stuff. We'll be leaving for our field exercises next week, so hopefully I can figure out more by then.
0: (laughs) Well, about that. I, I may actually have a business trip that takes me out there with you.
1: Seriously? How do you know? I haven't even heard the location yet.
0: I got the info secondhand, so I can't completely vouch for it. But if it does turn out to be true, Reiner, hold on a minute. Sorry, I'll call you back later.
1: No problem. They'll tell us where our field exercises are being held tomorrow so we can talk then.
0: Got it. Good night, Rain. Class is in session, and with the release of Trails of Zero drawing ever closer, we are jumping forward in time of a couple years and taking a look at the next entry of the Erebonian Arc of The Legend of Heroes with Trails of Cold Steel 3. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG. And this week, I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university from Stride PR, Bridget Gotro. Welcome, Bridget. How's it going?
1: It's going good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course, of course. I We have to preach this wonderful series as much as we can leading up to Trails uh, from Zero. So it's it's great to have you on. Finally, I know I've talked about it, uh, talked to you about it for a while now, and it's it's great to have you on and no better game to have you on.
1: I am so unbelievably excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is a fantastic game and I can't wait to dive into it with you. But before we dive into Cold Steel three, let's look back at the year that was 2019 when this game initially released in the West. I should preface this now it initially released on the PlayStation 4 in Japan on September 28th, 2017, and it would eventually make its way over to the West uh, with North America and Europe in October of 2019. Over two years later, North America and Europe got it on October 22nd, with Australia getting it on October 29th. It later would get a Nintendo Switch port releasing in Japan on March 19th of 2020 and worldwide on June 30th that same year. Windows got a PC version on March 23rd, 2020. And for some reason, this game also released on Stadia on April 1st, 2021. Strange, strange April Fool's Day joke.
1: I had no idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Stadia, that's a thing. Uh, But other notable releases that came out in 2019 that you might have also been playing include Control, Resident Evil 2 remake, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Disco Elysium, Kingdom Hearts 3, Borderlands 3, The Outer Worlds, AI, The Somnium Files, Sekiro, Death Stranding and Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Some some heavy hitters that year.
1: Absolutely. Um, not showing any bias towards my client. Shout out to Control and Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Um, but it's funny because I actually didn't even play uh, Cold Steel 3 or even get into the series in 2019. Um, so even by this list, my 2019 was all consumed by Fire Emblem Three Houses, which I stand by saying is great game, the, one of the best games of that entire year. Absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. The game's so nice, I played it twice.
0: Oh, but why not thrice for all three houses?
1: I'm working on it. I'm currently making my way through um, the Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes game that launched last month. So um, it's kind of rekindling all that love that I had for three houses. (laughs) So as soon as I'm done, I have one more run to do with um, Golden Deer. So hopefully I'll be jumping into that later this year.
0: Uh, Golden Deer that those are my, that's my crew. That was, that was my crew with Fire Emblem Three Houses. Absolutely loved it. Um, but actually this is a perfect segue. So Bridget, when did you, like, when did you dive into the legend of heroes series? Like tell us your history with this, uh, franchise.
1: So I found this series really completely on accident. Um, in 2020, right after the pandemic hit, um, I was working in the hospitality industry at the time. Um, so I was unfortunately furloughed from my job just because, um, no one was traveling or mm-hmm. doing anything of the sort. And, um, I'm on my hands. So, um, at the beginning of my furlough, it was right when final fantasy seven remake came out and I was absolutely enthralled with that game and and by the time i finished it i was kind of itching for the next thing that i could sink my teeth into and by that point i had no idea um, when i'd be going back to work so i was like why not just mm-hmm. sit at home and play video games since the world is on fire um and i actually jumped into a smaller game called i am satsuna
0: and lovely another, game uh, well, absolutely lovely game
1: I ended up not liking it. I have to say I gave it, I gave it the good college try. I played about yeah. 10 hours and I said, eh, you know, this was, this is not for me. So on a random listen of one of kind of Funny's podcasts, I think it was the games cast, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. I was hearing blessing talk about how he was also trying to fill the FF seven void And a lot of the chat was mentioning Trails of Cold Steel to him. And my ears kind of perked because I had never heard of this game in my life. Never Mm -hmm. heard of Legend of Heroes because I'm a terrible JRPG fan. And (laughs) (laughs) so it caught my attention and I was like, okay, I want to look into this. So I went on the PlayStation Store I think at the time it was one of like their summer sales or Japan mm-hmm. sales, something like that. Um, the game was dirt cheap. I think I bought it for like 15 bucks and that was all she wrote. I jumped into Trails of Cold Steel having zero clue what the hell any of this was about. And
0: I mm-hmm. fell in love with it.
1: And since yeah. then I proceeded to play four games in the span of seven months Because those are long
0: games. They are long (laughs) games. So that's impressive.
1: Yeah. And people tell me all the time, they're like, how did you do it? I'm like, y'all, I was not working. (laughs) It's the only reason (laughs) why I had the chance to do that. Um, So, yeah, I have fully completed the the Erebonia arc. Um, I would mention that I'm very familiar with everything that happens in Liberal and Crossbell. I just haven't played the games myself because Mm -hmm. I don't like playing on PC so the Sky Trilogy is kind of trapped there for the time being. And uh, I'm waiting until obviously this fall to get into Trails of Zero for the first time.
0: Very, very cool. Yeah, it's uh, funny enough, like kind of talking mention with you mentioning Blessing and everything. I had previously to talk about the first Cold Steel game, Blessing's roommate for a time, Michael Hyam. He was on here and uh, he's a big fan of uh, the first Cold Steel. So talk yeah. to him. Um, and I believe... Mike was working on blessing to to get him to play it as well. Um, He's just yeah, trying what, to preach the good word.
1: I listen I know, to their podcast all the time, and I'm like, blessing, yeah. please listen to your roommate.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's this is this series. So, just as a recap for me, like I had originally played, um, like I have the PS3 version of Cold Steel the first cold steel on for PS3 and Vita. And when I first tried it, I kind of bounced off of it. But then when the uh, reinforced edition or whatever, the PS4 port like remaster came out, I picked that up I and I had to review it. So I like pushed through the portion that I kind of got bored with at the beginning and then just fell in love with the series and I haven't looked back. So being able to play these and I've gone back and played the sky games and I started the fan translation of from GeoFront of trails from zero who now are directly working with NIS to do the localization official localization, which is really cool.
1: That's right.
0: And it's been. This series deserves the same recognition and clout that like a final fantasy or kingdom hearts does.
1: Oh, and Absolutely. It,
0: annoys me to no end that it doesn't get that love just yet. So like any chance I have to preach the gospel of legend of heroes, I, I take it. So I managed to get uh, Cam Hawkins into the series. Now he it, adores it and we're, we're slowly growing our ranks and it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I say that as somebody who is a final fantasy fan who at mm-hmm. this moment, it's my favorite franchise in the whole wide world. Like I, I genuinely yeah. think that if I didn't have the upbringing that I had in the history that I have with Final Fantasy, I think Trails would hands down be my favorite franchise. And I think that it absolutely deserves to sit amongst Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and kind of like all those big hitters because this series does the best world building that I've ever seen in yes. any medium. Whether that's movies, whether that's games like I we often kind of refer to it as like the MCU because that is really the best comparison. But to me, this is done even better, quite frankly. I think that they have managed to. Write these stories in a way that doesn't ever feel convoluted and Mm -hmm. the tiniest point, the tiniest conversation might seem insignificant, and then you find out four games later that it's like, holy crap, this is like revolutionary. And yeah. I, I have to give it to that entire writing team because it's just it has to be stacked. I've, I've had such an cr- incredible experience with this franchise just from a story perspective that I think all the other elements that I enjoy are kind of just the icing on the cake.
0: Yeah. And it, it definitely has some cringeworthy issues with it. Like some of the interactions between like Rena and his sister, like there are things that are oh, definitely,
1: do you want me to go uh, down that rabbit hole? Cause I can go down that rabbit hole.
0: Um No, we, we can't. I think there are definitely some, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call them problematic. I don't know if they would jump to that. I don't know. But overall, like as an entire package, it is such a brilliantly executed piece of media and, and like you, I there's not a better or more well done, interconnected, spanning narrative as they have been able to create with the, this Legend of Heroes series from the liberal arc into the Crossbell games to Cold Steel and Arabonia to to beyond. It's it's so incredibly impressive.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. And um, to the the point that you made, right, I don't think that I would say by any means that the game is is perfect or that the franchise is perfect, because like you said, there are a lot of cringe worthy things. And actually, no, you might be able to kind of further elaborate on that. I don't know if it's as heavy in the earlier titles as it is in the Erebonia arc, but I feel like Yeah, there's the thing with Rain and his sister, and then, you know, we're gonna talk about Cold Steel 3 today, like all, Mm -hmm. Muse's entire character was kind of an issue for me, um, among some other things, so I'm just curious, like, do you feel like that type of thing is pervasive in some of the earlier arcs? No. Interesting.
0: Uh, not at all. I would, there's, like, with Tita, like, there is some kind of uncomfortable like flirting not flirting between her and one of the other characters like it's borderlines on like older brother slash Tita has like a crush on this older guy he's a bracer I'm I'm totally blanking I, um, on the name agate. yeah agate um, but it, everything else is like that would and I don't even want to necessarily call that problematic it, it's nowhere near to the extent of um The things that go on in Cold Steel, it's much more of like an overly agate is much more of a overly protective kind of person to Tita. I don't I never thought of it as like him wanting to hook up with this like 12 year old. Yeah. Um, You have uh, Olivier flirting with every everyone uh, in the older games, but it's it's just funny. Uh,
1: No, that makes sense.
0: just but no, curious would, because they're it, so upset in uh, yeah, Cold Steel for sure.
1: Definitely no. I mean, I've only um, I played about ten hours of Trails in the Sky earlier this year, mm-hmm. and um, literally the only reason that I stopped is just because it's very challenging for me to play games on PC. Mm-hmm. I, so I'm borderline willing to wait at this point until they make what I think is the most rational decision, which is bring this stuff onto. Modern consoles, bring it on Switch, bring it on PlayStation. I mean, I think even just having Cold Steel 3 and 4 on Switch and not even the first two Cold Steel games makes zero sense to me because like public service announcement, y'all, Cold Steel 3 is not an entry point for you. No. Don't ask this question. Like I've had so many people say like, oh, this looks so cool. The battle system looks interesting or the graphics look cool. I'm like, yes, it's a great game. But it's not for you if you haven't played Cold Steel 1 and 2. So like the last thing I would want as such a a fan of this this franchise is for someone to jump into this game and kind of dismiss it and say, well, I don't get it or it doesn't make sense. And it's like, well, you're not going to because of of the way that you're starting. And I think if you're going to jump into Trails, I want people to give it the best chance possible because it still struggles with having that level of recognition that we want, right? So I think yeah. that I'm more than happy to talk to anyone about how to get into this series, but, you know, don't be that person that just sees the shiny thing on mm-hmm. Switch, jumps into it and says, well, this is dumb anime game because I don't get it, you know?
0: Yeah, and it, it is a shame. Like, there is the whole debacle between, like, the first two games are licensed and the rights to those specific two games are owned by a completely different publisher. And they've said, like, we're not doing it. And NIS has three and four and the rest of the games. And it it, it is a shame, especially because overseas there. They have released the first two Cold Steel games on Switch. Yeah, um, it is. It is a shame. And I do hope eventually XC will get the funds or whatever to uh, to be able to put the Cold Steel one and two on to, on to Switch. Um, and like with the Crossbell games that we're getting, it's basically the EVO or the evolution series of games because they re-release in Japan the Legend Trails in the Skies games as Trails in the Sky Evo with kind of like the updated art and everything. And those came out in Japan a number of years ago. And they then did the similar thing with Crossbell. And those are what we're getting. So I, I hope that more people can play the sky games because Estelle from the sky games and liberal is by far probably my favorite female protagonist in an RPG and one of my top female protagonists in any game ever. Really? And oh, yeah, I I absolutely love Estelle. Um, it's just like no fucks given. Like she's just. The writing's great. She's just a really fun. Character. Um, who's done really well in being able to. Yeah. I, I, I love Estelle. Estelle <laughs> is fantastic. But
1: You see, this is why this needs to happen is yeah. because like I, so far yeah. my experience with Estelle in, in trails in the sky, again, I've only played 10 hours. Yeah. I found her so annoying, but I yeah. know that everybody loves her and I have a feeling that she gets her moment to grow. And I want to be able to experience that. And I want to be a part of that. And I want to love this character as much as everyone else does. But like, Mm -hmm. give me the chance. Take these games and put them on the platforms that I want to play them on so that everyone has as much access as possible.
0: 100%. Well, if you ever get a Steam Deck, you could play it that way because they they do run on Steam Deck.
1: That's true. Good to know.
0: So um, but yeah, liberal, look, those games will get their own episodes. They are so worth it. But yes, we are here to talk about Cold Steel three. Now, one of the things that while we were talking and figuring out what game uh, you were going to talk about for your episode, Bridget, you mentioned that Cold Steel three is your favorite of the Cold Steel games.
1: It is. It absolutely is. Um, And it's funny because I think playing through this arc the way that I did, you know, most Mm -hmm. normal people with jobs get a bit of a break in between and kind of have the opportunity to process the information. But I think that because I played it so consecutively Mm -hmm. in a way, the sequel games almost feel like they're an extension of the former. So for example, playing through cold steel 2 really felt like an extension of cold steel one. And Mm -hmm. I had a similar feeling with Cold Steel 4 where, you know, aside from some tweaks and gameplay and things like that, it really felt like, oh, I'm just playing more of Cold Steel 3. So in that sense, it gets a little bit difficult to differentiate things sometimes. But when I really sit and think about it, um, the way that Cold Steel 3 left me feeling by the end, and especially because of the end, I think it has... Probably the best, one of the best endings in video games. Period mm-hmm. for me. Um, I was just absolutely floored, and I said to myself, you know i I haven't had a negative experience at all with any of these games. Um, yeah, I can't say that. Oh, I didn't like, you know, Cold Steel Two, whatever. I I love them all genuinely, even mm-hmm. though some of them had their challenges for me. But Cold Steel Three, in my opinion, is the culmination of. Everything that came before it, all the love, Mm -hmm. all the story, all the work that these teams put in felt like it was coming full circle in this game more than any other point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the moment where I was like, yeah, I I love this series. Even though I was enjoying my, my way through the other games. I think once I got to three, that was when I really felt like, man, this is something incredible.
0: Yeah, it, it was for me, it was. Such an interesting turn going from for for so long playing through and seeing these games happen from the perspective of Reen and the original Class 7 being students and kind of growing to in Cold Steel 3 being the mentor figure, especially with Reen becoming the teacher and kind of the head of the new Class 7. It was such an interesting and well done evolution and kind of natural growth of the characters i felt
1: and i have to tell you i i didn't think i was gonna like three at first to be perfectly honest Mm -hmm. and the reason was because i was so enamored with the original class seven that the idea of a new class was very scary to me and i was Mm -hmm. like "Mm, i don't know like they seem okay but like i definitely judged a book by its cover (laughs) and i felt like these characters in a way felt a little superficial and like they didn't have a lot of depth to them. So I was very Mm -hmm. skeptical going into this game. I said, you know, it's it's gorgeous. Obviously, they're finally um, making these games on a modern engine, so it looks fantastic. It feels like the battle system has been fully optimized and kind of taking all the good elements that came from the prior two battle systems and kind of meshing them together into something that works incredibly well. Uh, mm-hmm. but I was nervous and I was so glad that I was proven wrong <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. I might add, um, I have some people in the new class seven that I didn't, even by the end, I didn't particularly click with very well. Like, yeah, Altina was very okay to me. And, um, I felt like Kurt was a little too vanilla of a character, mm-hmm. but man, like even though Muse's nonsense with rain was really annoying, I'm like, this girl is a brilliant tactician who consistently mm-hmm. thinks 20 steps ahead of everyone around her, even though she's being muddled by all this other like student teacher nonsense. And then you have Yuna, who is someone that has so much heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, again, I didn't connect with her at first, but, um, and excuse if I'm jumping around all over the place here. But, no, no, um,
0: no apologies necessary.
1: One of my favorite scenes in this entire game is when Yuna goes off on McBurn and Campanella in Crossbell. That to me was like, this girl has heart. She is battling so many internal struggles because you can tell that she really cares about Crossbell and what's happening to her home country. And at the yeah. same time, being conflicted with wanting to protect Erebonia and its people because these are the these are her peers, these are the people that she goes to school with, her teachers, yeah. her mentors. And I just thought it was so freaking brilliant, especially because it was done in front of so many of these other characters. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, this is easily one of the best scenes in this entire game. Like, I felt yeah. my feelings after that. Let me tell you, it was, it was intense.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, it's I was kind of with you like I was a bit apprehensive because I pretty much played very back to back, fairly close together, one, two and then three. And then I Mm -hmm. had a little time to wait before Cold Steel four. And it was it it was I had a very similar feeling. It's like I miss my Elia. I miss my Alyssa, my Machias, my Emma, like all these characters and Mm -hmm. getting All those moments when you get to join back up and see the old class seven members, I I fell in love with. And I love I honestly love everyone's new designs, like their outfits and their their new uh, clothes and kind of just older designs. I think they nailed nailed it. But like you, I I grew to love the new class seven. I love like kind of the new instructors. I fucking love Randy.
1: Randy's the best. Are you kidding? I mean, Randy's the
0: fucking best. So good. I love him so much. He's so so good, and it made me sad. Like I love Randy, but at the same time, it made me really sad that we were getting this game, and we had never gotten the Crossbell games. Yeah, and with so much of Crossbell being kind of. A center point, like everything with, you know, with Randy and everything having happened in really the the post credits or the epilogue of Cold Steel, Two, where you're reading and you encounter Lloyd and everything. It's like. The Crossbell games are so narratively connected to Cold Steel three and four, it was such it just bummed me out to no end that we hadn't gotten that. And I think by Cold Steel three the GeoFan fan translation of zero was out. I'm pretty sure it was out at that point, but it, it was locked to, you had to get a Japanese version of zero from somewhere. You then had to apply a patch and all this. So it was a hassle, but I'm glad we're. And I am glad we are is is rectifying that, that people can finally get the crossbell games because I would have loved the opportunity to see all these things happen, being able to explore like a 3d crossbell seeing randy and having that inclusion having come from having played crossbell games i wish i could have had that experience because i think it would have been spectacular
1: no i completely agree and and I, i i acknowledge that the manner in which i am playing these games is very out of whack and i tell everyone that it's it's what works for me because i feel like even if i play things out of order the writing is done so well that I don't really have a problem connecting the dots. Um, but I know that the same can't be said for everyone. So, um, a lot of the times when people ask that question of, you know, where should I start? I'll say, listen, if you have the ability to start, you know, with the sky games, that's absolutely where you should go. But if it's easier to jump into cold steel, that to Mm -hmm. me, that's okay too. Because as long as you're starting at the beginning of an arc, I feel like you'll be all right. Yeah. But um, I I did have that feeling as well, where after I finished the first two Cold Steel games, it became very clear that if you did not at least have some knowledge of all the prior games, you were not going to know what the hell was going on in three. So um, that's when I kind of like took it upon myself to, with all my time, go on YouTube and literally just watch hours and hours and hours of videos of like full on gameplay, like walkthroughs and stuff of these games. And I still have every intention of playing them because obviously watching a video and someone talking over it is not the same as playing it yourself. But Mm -hmm. that was the only reason why I felt I had the level of appreciation for Cold Steel 3 that I did. Because when you had all those character comeback moments, Mm -hmm. I was able to recognize everyone and be like, oh, my God, like that's Estelle. That's Joshua. That's this person. Like mm-hmm. and it's the same thing that I tell people as an example with like Final Fantasy seven remake. Like I know the teams want to market it in a way to say like, hey, you can it's OK. If you don't have knowledge of the original, you can jump right yeah. in. I wholeheartedly disagree. I feel like these games are not meant for people who did not play the original because so much shit is going to go over your head. And that's Mm -hmm. how like cold steel three felt for me. I felt like it's a good thing that I took the time, but it's a shame that these games are not available to give people that context because there's so many small moments that they're missing out on Mm -hmm. because they don't have that. So um, I'm definitely glad that they're coming out finally. And by the time they're out, I will absolutely tell people like now is the best time to get into the series because you you haven't made at this point. <laughs> you don't have to do. You don't have to yeah. go through the struggle that the rest of us had to go through to connect the dots with these stories. So I mean, uh, I already pre-ordered. I'm clearly very excited.
0: Oh yeah, I think I have two copies of the collector's edition pre-ordered. Uh- and then a just standard switch and a standard PS4 version pre-ordered.
1: So after, um, funny story, after I finished cold steel two, um, I was so obsessed that I decided that, um, cause I bought them digitally. So at that point I, I already knew that I wanted to mm-hmm. own physical copies of the games. So I bought the collectors editions for one and two off Amazon. Mm-hmm. They were relatively easy to find. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Cold Steel 4 wasn't out yet because I I believe it was coming out October of 2020. So it wasn't out yet, but the pre-orders were still open for the collector's edition. So I got that as well. So then I was saying to myself, I'm like, well, I'm going to have Steelbook, you know, editions for three out of the four games. And that doesn't sit right with me. So Mm -hmm. long story short, I went on a ridiculous mission on eBay and I paid $350 for the collector's edition of Cold Steel 3 so that I could have all four steel books like an insane person.
0: No, not insane. That's that's awesome. That's like I don't awesome. regret
1: my decision. <laughs>
0: Good. It's worth it. It's worth it. These games are worth it. Hands yeah. down. So I just I was... No go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say that like I inadvertently have made it a thing now where for trails mm-hmm. in particular, I want this steel book to every single game. So I've already pre-ordered uh zero in Azure and, you know, yep. free money for Falcom. If they give me them, them sky games in a steel book, I, I will give you all of my money. No problem.
0: Yeah. It's um, I just, I can't imagine like, and we touched on this or you touched on this earlier, how good of an ending this has. I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine because I had to, but like people have it so good right now because they don't have to wait like a year and a half to find out what happens. Like you can just go from one game to the next.
1: That was the most agonizing wait of my life. It was awful. And I only had to wait two months, but I finished the end of it Mm -hmm. and, you know, we can Dive into that at any time as well. But I I finished the end of it. I literally had to go outside and get some fresh air and like contemplate my life because I was so yeah. dumbfounded. And I had to wait about two and a half months before Cold Steel 4 came out. And funny enough, I ended up getting into a different series that I love a whole ton, which is um Yakuza. So it kind of filled the void a little bit. Okay. But man, that was that was in tense and i'm like we we are a spoiled folk because if i would have had to wait two three five years for that i think i think i would have died
0: i remember when i finished cold steel 3 they hadn't even announced that they were going to localize cold steel 4 yet like god it having released that like it was there's no way they could just release cold steel 3 and not finish it up but like as each like week and then month progress and they didn't announce it. It's like, Oh, maybe it didn't sell well. I mean, they have lot. These are big games. There's a lot of voice work. There's a lot of translation that has to go on. And there was just nothing and nothing. it's like, Oh my God, you have to give it to me. So I actually imported the Japanese version of cold steel four for like Christmas, where I think my in-laws got it for me and I started up the intro and like things were happening. And I saw the the intro with the returning characters and it's like no i can't do this i have to play through the sky game i have to play through the old games before i get to this like i can't do this to myself and then eventually of course they announced that it was, they were localizing and it's like well now I, there's no reason for me to try and translate or learn japanese so i can play it so then i just i waited but oh gosh it was it was agonizing it was a horrible wait
1: yeah, I think it's worse when you're in the middle of an arc because I oh, feel yeah. like my my fever a little bit, for lack of a better word, for the net, for Hajimari, for example, I think mm-hmm. it's calmed down a bit because, you know, when you finish an arc, there's a lot of things that have kind of nicely closed with a bow, you know, and yeah. they're not at the same level of anticipation and like trying to figure out what's going to happen next. So... Mm-hmm. I'm excited for sure for um, the crossbow games and Hajimari, but I definitely feel much more chill than I did, you know, waiting between three and four because talk about a cliffhanger like no other. It's, it was insane.
0: Yeah. And it, and luckily like with Hajimari, like it's a bridge game. So it's very much kind of bridging the gaps between the Airbonia arc and then the next arc. Yeah. So like the fact like it already bugs me and is giving me twitches that we haven't gotten an official localization announcement of Kuro no Kiseki, like the, the new arc. And they're already getting the second game of that. It's like we're 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 going to be like four years out from the first game and it, or three years. And it's like <sighs>
1: if I rant oh, for sad. a minute on why I'm so excited for Kuro no um, Yes. So I feel like across this, this arc, with Arabonia, it's like there's so many things alluded to about Halvard, but mm-hmm. it's never fully explored, right? Like, you know, yeah. it's the big and bad in opposition of Arabonia, and they're, you know, just as powerful and just as big. But that's all really the information that you get. They never really dive fully deeper into it. So I think that to me, I think this is going to be the most insane part. Like, I just have a feeling they're gonna go all out with it. Um, and and because we have so much mystery from that sense of like the perspective of Calvert,
0: I feel mm-hmm. like it's gonna
1: be hard for a lot of people to predict how that arc goes. And so far, from what I've seen, even though I've been trying really hard to like avoid big spoiler pieces, um, I love the fact that so much of this cast are not teenagers,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I think that's kind of getting to uh, a point of like a big deal for me in RPGs lately is that I'm really starting to feel like I prefer games with an adult cap just because mm-hmm. I feel like you have more freedom. You can play around more narratively and you don't necessarily have to lean into a lot of these tropes that we're used to. Um, but I mm-hmm. think Curl looks amazing. I think the fact that Calvert is supposed to supposedly like an Eastern style setting. Mm-hmm. sounds amazing um the character designs that i've seen looks fantastic and um if i'm not mistaken they're switching away from the turn-based battle system which right. i think is yeah. definitely going to be interesting because i i think i think um all of the cold steel games really had such an engaging battle system i know a lot of people don't like turn-based for many reasons but not once that I feel bored or that I was just like clicking the X button to get through mm-hmm. things. I think it was such an engaging combat system. So I'm really curious to kind of see the future of that in the rest of the rest of the series.
0: Yeah. And and just touching a little bit on Kuro as well. Uh, like I love the characters that they've shown for the, the, in the first game that are returning from previous games. Like you got characters from the sky games. You have, Members from Class Seven, or at least you have some Class Seven representation, and their designs look awesome. And it's just yeah. like, oh, I just I need these games, but I don't. I feel like the earliest we'll get is like twenty twenty four.
1: I know because we already know so what's sad. coming out
0: for the first game, and by that time, uh, yeah, it's it it it's very sad, but. Yeah, I
1: mean I know it's a huge like I don't yeah. want to undermine in any way the the localization efforts that go into this because yeah. I've played a lot of RPGs and these are probably some of the most dialogue heavy I've ever played. Oh yeah. So I know that these teams are working really hard to kind of get yeah. these things translated. Um I just kind of wish that they were able to do worldwide releases. Um, But I know that's not commonplace in a lot of um, Japanese games still at this point, but I would just love to Mm -hmm. be able to experience it like along with everyone else, you know, and kind of not feel like we're what four games behind now, three games behind.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're Hajimari. I mean, if you don't count Azure, but in terms of timeline wise, we'll be three games behind. Um, but yeah, and, and I appreciate that Falcom realizes that like they need to do better as well. And it's like shout out to studios like NIS and Xseed and whatnot for even putting forth the effort to localize these games, because like you said, these are monolithic games. So the fact that we got any of them is is huge. So shout out to all the amazing localization uh, translators and workers. Shout out to Geofront and and all the passionate, passionate localizers for these games. Uh, Absolutely. But. So what is it, I guess, that makes Cold Steel three like your favorite out of the the Erebonia arc? So for me, I think
1: it, it kind of shook things up in a lot of different ways. Um, it kind of felt like something brand new, even mm-hmm. though you're knee deep in this arc and it's a continuation, I think between all the new updated graphics and the, the new character designs, um, you know rain and the rest of the original class seven being older um which funny enough was a big reason why i chose that scene that we reenacted at the beginning is because mm-hmm. it seems silly but i think that was the first time that the game acknowledges that like we're all adults now and you know machias does it in the nerdiest fashion possible because he's machias but um, <laughs> You know, I I really liked getting to see these characters be all grown up and come into their own and how their skills from the first two games have spoken so much into who they became now. Right. Like the fact that he was training to be a bracer, like because um, her instructor had been telling her for so long, like you have incredible skills and you Mm -hmm. are very good at being sneaky and that counts for something. So, um, yeah, I think that um, the graphics, the um, older characters, the battle system, like I think the introduction of the Brave Orders in particular was a really good way to spice things up because I think that the battle system in two was already Mm -hmm. great. Um, I think it was a huge improvement for the from the first game. So I think that the inclusion of the brave orders and mm-hmm. having those vary depending on who exactly is in your party, I think added an extra element of strategy to the combat yeah. that I found to be super, super interesting. Um, and I think too, just like change of scenery, like i I think mm-hmm. Ra being an instructor and like the whole um, Thor's military branch and stuff. It was interesting, but I'm always kind of excited to leave the school settings after a certain point. And I think some of the locations that we got to travel in, in Cold Steel 3, kind of showed you a whole different side of Erebonia that we never got to explore in prior Mm -hmm. games. Um, So like, Ordis is one of my favorite locations. I think it's such a beautiful city. It's like this gorgeous seaside town where like, there's all these secrets, and you even come across some of the um, your older classmates from Thor's Academy, and kind of seeing what shenanigans and Zer up to as well. So um, yeah, it just felt super refreshing in a way that was like, yes, I'm excited to continue the story, but I'm also excited to just explore all the new things that they've added into this game. Because yeah. I I think that if three would have been similar in in visual and even combat style to two. I think at that point I could see how. You might be able to be like burnt out a little bit, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um,
0: yeah, it's um, and what I appreciate. And it's the same thing with all the all the Cold Steel games really is how it really rewards players for mastering and finding ways to break the combat, like by figuring out really good combinations of courts and master courts. And like, like you mentioned, like the brave orders and figuring out how to really just become overpowered. I, I, I love that aspect. It kind of rewards the experimentation. I feel.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, um, as far as accessibility is concerned with this series, I really do feel like they allow you to play this game however you want. You can get mm-hmm. whatever level of challenge you are looking for out of this series. Um, yeah. if you want to play it on easy and just enjoy the story, you can do that. Um, if You want to go all in and try a nightmare more uh, nightmare mode run, you can do that as well. Um, I played on normal, and I found myself, you know, still playing around with courts and and the different combinations Mm -hmm. and you still like how should i say it like we talk a lot about how the court system is very reminiscent to materia um and and what i love about those style of systems is that you can build your characters to really be however you want them to be Mm -hmm. and um a sleeper favorite for me, and what I mean by that is, I wasn't expecting to heavily use this character so much. But towards the end, latter half of the game, once you have access to the rest of the original class seven and they become playable, I use fee like there is no tomorrow. And oh, yeah. I will I will tell everyone that like fee is your girl, and the reason I say that is because I built her to be an evasion tank. And mm-hmm. I kept leveling her courts and leveling her stats in a way where I think by the end of the game, she had like 60 to 70% evasion. Mm-hmm. And then every fight that I would have, um, this still wasn't a cakewalk, but essentially I would position her to always be front of the line mm-hmm. and everyone else be behind because then the boss attracts all their attention to her. And nine times out of 10, she's not going to get hit because her evasion is just insane. Yeah. And then everybody else can kind of come in and and do their work. So I loved having that creativity and the ability to be like, I want this person to be like this. And I, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make Emma the most badass, like magic user. And um, yeah, you can really, you can really play however you want. You can make it as, as easier, as Mm -hmm. challenging as you like. And I really appreciated that.
0: Yeah. I, for me, it was, I equipped, I basically made it so Reen would just like one shot the first turn like because you have the one quartz that deals like 100% more damage on the first action they get and you just kind of stack all sorts of things and do the his strongest craft you can like and just eliminate them which also then gets you sp back so that was like my go-to grinding uh kind of setup but yeah it's like you said, you can have characters that their primary focus is just inflicting status effects. You can have characters that their whole thing is, like you said, dodging. You can really customize how you want. And then you could have your crazy or your incredibly intense and powerful magic casters. You could have your healers. It's so, so many options that you can really tailor your party to. Um that it is so much fun. And one thing I'm, I'm curious, your thoughts is. With especially with like the first two game, like at the end of the first game, you get Valimar and then in the next game, you kind of get some fights with Valimar. I was never expecting like prior to starting Cold Steel that this was going to turn into like a magic mecha RPG series. And I love it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I had no clue. I. <laughs> I was genuinely confused at the end of Cold Steel because I was like, is this a mecha anime? Like, I don't know what is happening right now. Um, But, you know, I thought, again, I was worried that it was going to get convoluted and messy and not make any sense and that this was just like a plot device. But it's worked really well and they've turned Valimar into his own character with his own personality that I wasn't expecting at all. Yeah. And I think the relationship and the bonds that Reen has with Valimar is so, so special. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it's written very, very well. And so far it works. I, I never felt even when they started introducing some of the other, um, Users of the Divine Knights. I Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, oh, this is stupid. You know, like I I genuinely felt excited because I wanted to to know more about that lore and kind of like how this is all coming. But I don't, you know, is the are the Divine Knights like are they alluded to in any way in the older arcs, or was this also something that was completely just like, what is happening?
0: It was completely completely new. Um, like there were, uh, like the Ouroboros kind of giant machines were uh, made appearances, but yeah. And you, but that's about the extent of it. Um, definitely nothing resembling super magical night robots or or things. Um, I,
1: I think they were done really well and, and some of those, um, battles with the divine knights and just like the armored units in general throughout Mm -hmm. cold steel three, they were hard. Oh yeah. And in a way that I actually didn't feel was discouraging at all. I actually found Mm -hmm. myself like there were a couple battles where I was just getting my ass handed to me. And every time Mm -hmm. I would say like, okay, how can I, how can I change this up? Because I think when you do the first couple battles that you're introduced to, it does kind of come off like, Two overpowered Gundam units just hacking it out. And if you just, you know, press X every time, you'll get through it. But eventually you have yeah. to start thinking about like who's your um, what do they call it in the game? Like your partner, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like you had to be strategic about those things. And um, yeah, I just thought it was super innovative and interesting and definitely part probably one of the more challenging aspects of the game, I think, were those, were those battles.
0: Yeah. And just I appreciate how they went so far into expanding the combat and kind of the mechanics when you are in the giant mecha fights, because they did add a lot to it. Like they added the partners, they added having multiple teammates in robots and in the mecha and everything over the combat you had in the second game. It was a lot deeper and more strategic, like you mentioned. And speaking on the topic of Valimar as a character itself, it's some of the things Valimar goes through, and in these, in this game, and then in the next game, it's just like, oh, my Robo Boy. Oh.
1: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I think there were a couple moments where you genuinely forget that, like, oh, this isn't a human. This isn't, mm-hmm. like, a person in this machine. This is a full-on robot who's, like, putting me through the fields right now. Uh, yeah, I, I love his relationship with um, with Rain, And even seeing, like, some of the other Divine Knights and how, even though you mm-hmm. don't have as much exposure to them, they each have very distinct personalities. Yeah. Which... They didn't have to do that, right? They could have just lazily been like, all right, this one's purple, this one's green, this one's yellow, and and called it a day. But um, mm-hmm. I really love how much love they put into it and, and kind of giving them each their own distinct personalities and showing why their particular user was the best fit for them. That makes yeah. sense. Because oh, like, definitely. when I think about Reina Valimar and then I see like Crowen or Dean, I'm like, those are perfect matches. I don't feel like I could see... Green having the same relationship with Ordeen mm-hmm. and piloting Ordine the way that he would pilot
0: Balamar if that makes sense yeah 100% now uh, I think this is, a, is a, a perfect point to talk about you mentioned earlier that this game has perhaps one of the best endings of an RPG you've played uh, yes. what about the ending like really struck you and hit you like why, why has it reached that high of a, a level for you?
1: So um, there are three parts of this ending that I felt were absolutely brilliant. Um, and that's not to say that the ending of Cold Steel 2 isn't insanely good because it is. And I did not forget the way that all of that kind of unraveled. But with Cold Steel 3 in particular, um, and I'll, I'll work my way backwards a little bit. The very last line of that game where osborne is literally choking out his son and says to him we are rewriting this story with ink as black as despair when he said final sentence i kid you not like my my jaw hit the floor and it was one of those things where it's like i play a lot of games a lot of rpgs with a lot of dialogue and i think that is a sentence that is going to stick with me for a very long time because Mm -hmm. I think that it was very telling of the direction that Cold steel four was going to go in. And it kind of had this, like, it was messed up. It was messed up to see like a person who's supposed to be your father speak to you in such a manner of like, I, I literally want what's absolutely worse for you. And that that's why waiting for the fourth game was, was so hard for me, honestly, because he says that last line, the screen goes to black and then the credits roll. And I'm like, how are y'all going to do this to me? (laughs) Like this is messed up. Um, and then the other two moments from that same, like ending, I would say, Crow getting his memories back was a big deal for me. Um mm-hmm. he's my favorite character by far. Um I think that he's very flawed and I kind of have a type sometimes with games unfortunately of like <laughs> I can fix him. Um <laughs> but I I really liked how he became this this puppet, you know, for the black workshop and all this other stuff and then, you know, getting to the scene at the end and watching what Rain is going through i think was the trigger for him to wake up and see what's happening to his friend even though mm-hmm. he didn't want to admit it cuz i i kind of see um i think reen and crow are best friends i would say um yeah. and they have a little bit of that rival style relationship so his him waking up finally gaining all his memories back and and realizing who he actually is And still choosing to help reen at the end of it. Right. Because Mm -hmm. now you have free will. Now you can make the choice for yourself and considering everything that you went through, he could have walked away and he did it. And that was a big deal to me. And then, um, you know, the elephant in the room is Milliam's sacrifice, right? Yeah. Like, not to spoil Cold Steel 4, but if you've played, you kind of know the the end of that. But I, I wasn't expecting that moment at all. And I think mm-hmm. what she did was so selfless. And it's probably the one moment in the game that actually made me cry. And even though Rain's reaction is notable, because obviously he becomes completely enraged in a way that he, Valimar also becomes enraged. I think Eustace's reaction was far more important and far yeah. more devastating to me. 100%. That, well,
0: yeah, he's like, so stoic for so much. He's always so serious and in everything. He I, that's the point where like you might get like hints that like he's developed feelings for Millium at throughout but like his reaction at that point was just like, "Oh. Oh, poor Eustace."
1: Yeah. And, and uses is another character that I would put up there for me, as far as like Mm -hmm. the original class seven, because I think, you know, at first glance, you kind of think that he's just like a crappy rich boy, you know what I mean? But like, he's kind of the black sheep of his own family and, you know, comes to find out that one of the people that he idolizes so much, which is his older brother is actual garbage, you know? And, And he goes through so many things and he, keeps his composure the entire time, because I think he also realizes that he has to be a representative of his house and his country. And, um, to kind of let all of that go, what he sees, Mm -hmm. what happens to Milliam. And then later on in cold steel Four, kind of like, you get to see him really open up more and see how much love he really had for her as Mm -hmm. how I see it, an older brother, little sister kind of thing. Like, yeah, that was probably one of the most emotional parts of of the game for me and i think that's why like even though i love so much of the game itself i think the ending in particular and and, and these moments are really what still even now kind of stick out to me the most
0: yeah 100% 100% it's this game is just so good bridget
1: it really is it's so good oh <laughs> like i could ramble forever about how much i love this game and really quick, something that I didn't touch on at all, the soundtrack.
0: I think the soundtrack
1: in Cold Steel 3 is the best one out of the four and I am sticking to it. I listen to it all the time. Um, for anyone who's listening, I think my favorite song on there, it's called, uh, cheap trap. It literally goes from like this, like techno beat and then just drops Mm -hmm. into a dubstep and it's insane and it's super good. Um, but I think the music in this franchise is very underrated.
0: Hundred percent. Falcom knows how to make damn good soundtracks. Like the Legend of oh, yeah. Heroes games have great soundtracks. East has wicked good soundtracks. It's like when can we get like limited run or whatever to do vinyls of these game soundtracks?
1: That would be fantastic. Right? Absolutely fantastic. It, I love that soundtrack they're deserving.
0: So much. It. It's. They're so good. So good. And and like you said, there's so many things we could just sit and like gush over and talk about like uh, it's just so good. And then all the like having Le Guin come back is like the principle, this enemy that you struggled against in the previous games. Oh, she's just kind of your boss now. It's like all the little <laughs> things that happen and it's
1: uh. I, really my only real criticism Aside from like all the weird trophy things that we talked about before, mm-hmm. um, and I've I've come to find that this isn't even a Cold Steel three issue at this point, but these dungeons need a lot of work. Um, yeah, I found the whole thing of having to level up through the Einhell Keep was extremely repetitive, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, it was like well. I'm familiar with this at this point because the, the dungeon structure in one and two was exactly the same. And I don't even think it's so much of like, Oh, it's linear because I can deal with linearity. I actually don't think it's an inherently a bad thing, but there was just no
0: variety. I
1: feel like, I yeah. feel like you changed the color. You changed the enemies, but the dungeons are the same across three games and it shouldn't be that way.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm with you there. The, and they kind of a few of them went on a bit longer than I feel like they really should have. Yeah, um, they definitely could get uh, could get repetitive, but it can't all be perfect. I suppose <laughs> there has to be some sort of balance. Right? I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we are not the only ones that absolutely love this game. So we are going to go around the web. First up, we have user Shining Concepts from Reddit. They say, For me, Cold Steel was the system seller for the PS4. I loved seeing Reen's growth and new role, the members of new Class 7, and seeing what old Class 7 had been up to, and the other familiar faces from past games and arcs. The branch campus was a great setting with great faculty. Randy! And the game's conflicts and story were all great with high stakes. From seeing chapter in chapter two, the cross spell under new rule to the insane nonstop action finale. The one thing I wasn't sure about by the time I finished was whether Muse had a crush on Reen. I feel like I feel it was only very subtly hinted at.
1: Very subtly.
0: Uh, so, very subtle. She uh, Muse was an expert in subtlety. Uh, to Boy. be sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, next well, from user, the horse named blank from Reddit. For me, it will always be the scene where Reen and Lloyd fist bump. Not because of nostalgia for the Crossbell arc though, but because I think it's such a huge moment for Rean to have that acknowledgement from someone he feels he wronged so badly. You see through his conversations with Brandy and Yuna and throughout chapter two, Reen's conflicted feelings towards the Crossbell problem and its occupation. And in that moment, such a huge burden is eased in Reen's heart. Even if it's only temporary by my far by far my favorite moment in the game.
0: Yeah. The protagonist bros.
1: Yeah, and you know, like not to cut this section off for a second. Um, He makes such a great point, or they make such a great point, because Mm -hmm. um, even not having played the crossbow arc, I love how much of it became a centerpiece in this game. Because again, it, it felt very similar to Calvert to me in the sense that this is something that you're constantly hearing about, and you know that it's a huge point of importance, but it never really got explored until this game. And um, it wasn't until after I had finished all four, to be honest, that I had learned the first two games have been in conjunction with the Crossbow arc. I actually had no idea that they happened at the same time. So mm-hmm. um, that that was a really big moment for me as well It's just kind of getting to see this exploration of this location and these characters from the other arcs and kind of how it all came together and kind of seeing Reen battle those feelings and, and come to terms with what he was feeling.
0: Yeah. and I mean, having the... Kind of look at or the conflict between Reen having to fight Reen at the end of Cold Steel Two and that prologue or that epilogue, you get a little taste of it. But yeah, it's Reen coming to grips and kind of being like, okay, I, I realizing that he he can kind of move on from basically being a mercenary for hire, like a a military dog. Yeah, at the end of Cold Steel Two, being like okay. I really don't like what I did, but I'm, I'm glad we can kind of unite. And having spoken with and worked with Randy and everything with you, and it, uh, I agree. The, the horse named blank. That was a that was a very special moment. Next up, we have user twick 2 from Reddit. They say NC7 or New Class 7 was refreshing and just a more mature reen trying his best to take on the role model figure of the group. Reen lecturing his students and trying to prevent them from making the same mistakes he made in the past was pretty endearing and relatable to real life. Yeah. And can I just say, we didn't touch on this earlier. Shout out to Reen for adopting the Clark Kent. uh, I'm just going to put on glasses to blend in uh, approach.
1: (laughs) I wish that that would get me away from all my problems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just put on some glasses. You're good. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, next from user sleevelessbyleth love it uh, seeing Crossbell in 3D and visiting all of the NPCs I knew from Zero and Azure were so cool it really came all together then all of class 7 meeting up at the bracer guild in Heimdall was so sweet I had a lot of feel seeing all of them react Machias and Eustace making fun of each other Plea emoji
0: <laughs> yeah and and see like this is a moment that kind of hearkening back to what I mentioned earlier it's like I knew like when being able to walk around Crossbell like I knew was a big deal but like not being able to have that have, have that view of like seeing all the old characters and seeing this world that I had spent time in had we had the Crossbell games like I know I missed like something very meaningful and special happening by not having those games even though I realized it was such a big moment yeah. uh, which which is I don't want to say disappointing but it, it, it's sad to know that like we weren't able to have that like really special moment um, due to so many people not having access to these games but good good moment to be sure sleeveless so leave this spy Next up, we have user letank 97 from Reddit. They say, like many others, I love the unison on top of the tower. I love the fact that Reen had nothing to say in that moment, but did what a good instructor does and just listened. He then managed to get her back on track the next day. And I love that Ash and Reen moment where Reen catches him speaking to Lecter. Then Reen just sort of shrugs, figures there would have been some spying anyway. The ending was amazing as well. But Cold Steel sort of ruins a lot of the impact the Cold Steel 3 ending had. A low-key fond moment, fond memory is just helping all the students during the exams, shows how awesome Reen was as a teacher.
1: Yeah, you know, I hadn't even thought about that, but that is such a good point, is that everyone gave Yuna the room to let her feelings out and say what she needs to say. And nobody tried to stop her, nobody tried to interrupt her or say she was wrong, like... They let her go through that and in 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 the days after the fact you see all these scenes where her classmates and everyone like they're checking up on her but they're also giving her her space to kind of come back when she's ready and and I thought that that was amazing um and even that conversation with Reen um catching Ash talking to Lecter You know, when we were talking earlier about how I had my reservations about new class seven, like this was a really, really good moment, I think, because Mm -hmm. that's kind of when I feel like I started to see like, okay, there's there's more to these characters that they're letting on. Like there's some there's some shady stuff going on. There's some secrets. And I think that this was one of the first moments that I felt like, oh, hey, Ash, I see you. I need to. We need to figure it out because why would you be talking to Lecter out of all people? So yeah, really good.
0: Well, and everything that goes on with Ash. I mean, we didn't even talk about the crazy or the in, in, weird, like intense things that goes on with Ash and that whole plot twist.
1: Yeah. No, you're absolutely it's... right, and and I loved Ash. I think out of all the. the new Class 7 people, he was probably my favorite because he does come off as, like, a dumb old jerk, but you start to learn that, like, no, actually, he really does care about his classmates and he cares about his teacher, even though he treats him like crap. And, um all the... Uh, I'm trying not to spoil anything for anyone, but like, everything that you you find out with him and kind of... Um, I don't remember if it happens in 3 or 4, so I do apologize for that, but even the subtle interactions that Ash has with Joshua when he meets him.
0: Yeah, that's all in 4, because Joshua, yeah. I want to say, isn't... N- their, that whole... The, Kind of Marvel, or the the everyone teaming up together. That's all kind of in uh, in four.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if any of the liberal crew start trickling characters in in three, and then everything kind of comes fully together in four. So you're right, and and this is why I was saying, like after a while, it all kind of blends together. (laughs) Yeah, but needless to say, I think I think these characters are are worth. Are worth your time, and they have a lot of depth to them if you kind of just give them a chance and kind of explore their backstories and see what they're all about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's... Well, and then, like, you have everything going on with um, when the airship gets taken out. Yeah. Like, that's like, holy crap! Ugh, there's just so many like, so many holy crap moments in this game. It's, it's... I feel like
1: I'm gonna end up, like, <laughs> I'm literally sitting here, like, am I gonna go back and replay this? Am I really gonna yeah. do this again?
0: Yeah. Do New <laughs> Game Plus. You'll have all your carryovers. Just enjoy it. Oh,
1: uh,
0: my goodness. So good. So, so good. Wanna take the last one?
1: Yeah, um, this is from user site. I'm gonna say it's site from Reddit. The entire Crossbell chapter, the Aryan-Rod boss fight at Ortis, Reen and Alyssa's reunion at Geofront because I'm a dirty Reen ex-Alyssa shipper, and the entire final acts were my favorites. Easily my favorite Cold Steel game. And vanilla site from Reddit, I support you because even though you're allowed to date several characters in this game, to me, Alyssa is the only one who's actually canon. Therefore, yeah. I'm an Alyssa Stan as well.
0: Same. Same so good so good and thank you to each and every one of you who submitted your favorite moments and memories from cold steel 3 we really appreciate it and as always down in the show notes you'll find links to the subreddits where you can share your own favorite moments and memories from cold steel 3 and i can't wait to read them now, after hearing Bridget and I talk about how much this game is awesome, maybe you're wondering where you can get yourself a copy after, of course, you've played through Cold Steel one and two. Well, we are here to help you with that. Now, digitally, this game is still cost you about 60 bucks uh, digitally. It's on Steam. It's on Switch. It's on PlayStation. So it has a, it will occasionally go on sale. So I recommend picking it up then if you want. But this game is easily worth the sixty dollars as well. Now, if you're looking for a physical copy, though, uh, a loose copy on PlayStation Four right now, according to PriceCharting.com, will run you about twenty eight dollars. A complete in box price about thirty six, and a new copy is about forty five dollars. That's for the PlayStation Four version. And then for the Nintendo Switch version, it's uh, let's see. uh, Wow. Loose price, uh, loose cartridge for the Nintendo Switch version goes for one hundred and one dollars. Just over one hundred. A complete in box copy will go for about one hundred and fifteen and a brand new copy will go for one hundred and fifty. So. So, yeah. Uh, For the Switch one, you might want to try and uh, pick it up digitally. Now, let's say you have snagged yourself a copy or downloaded Cold Steel 3 and you're wondering, man, I'd really like some tips or advice. Well, Bridget and I have you covered there, too. So, Bridget, what tips or advice would you give to brand new players?
1: So, um, as you said, making sure that you have played Cold Steel 1 and 2, um, even this is kind of RPG 101 talk. Top- to every NPC in this game. I know it's a chonky game. I know it can seem overwhelming, but this is one of the few franchises I think where their NPCs are designed very well and written very well. And Mm -hmm. there's definitely been instances where you'll speak to a random NPC on some bridge in Cold Steel 1 and then four games later, you meet up again and it's like, Reuniting with your Italian family after 20 years. Like it <laughs> is incredibly well done. I think that it adds a lot of additional context and lore to the greatest story. And some of the lines are just really funny, too. So if you have a chance to kind of take your time with this game and pace yourself and take the opportunity to explore and talk to everyone, you're going to get a lot of joy out of that. Um, and something else that we alluded to earlier is just um, don't worry about Difficulty, don't worry about grinding. I personally feel like I never had to grind at all in this game. I think if you Mm -hmm. play at a normal pace, most of the enemies that you get to in each location will be about at level where you should be. Um, I think the greater focus should be on your courts and making sure that you're matching up the correct courts with your characters and kind of using that as your foundation to building up the party is how you want them to be and how strong Mm -hmm. you want them to be. Instead of worrying about, you know, fighting the same enemy 30 times just to go up a couple levels. So pay attention to uh, courts and, and the combinations and your master courts. And I think you'll be a okay. Mm
0: -hmm. great, great advice to be sure. And kind of playing off of a bit of what Bridget Bridget said there at the end is try to have an idea Eventually, like especially towards the end of the game, have an idea of how you want each character to act or what role you want them to fill and kind of uh, equip the quartz and their items as- to enhance that direction you want to take a character like uh, Bridget's evasive tank. Um, by doing that, you will not only... Not have to really worry about grinding as much, but you'll just be much more synergistic and everything will kind of fit together better and you'll have a better time. Plus, it's just a lot of fun to kind of play around with different ideas and see what you can put together. So just aim for a kind of a target for your characters and your party setup, and uh, go for that, as opposed to trying to make everyone a, a jack of all trades. But if you want to do that, go for it. We are on to one of my favorite parts of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. So Bridget, what is your, what enemy are you bringing to the arena this week?
1: So the enemy that I chose, um, it's called, I'm terrible at pronouncing this. So it's called Lucifuge, but uh, you might be familiar with it with a different name, which is the Nosferatu, and this is an enemy that originally appears in the first Cold Steel game as a boss in Longhorn Castle. And I thought it was like the coolest looking Grim Reaper ghost boy ever. Um, mm-hmm. And that boss battle in the first Cold Steel game is actually really hard. Um, so it stuck with me. So in Cold Steel um, 3 in the latter end of the game where you start getting into those endgame dungeons it is a... Um, enemy that you come across and you can actually um, similar to in other RPGs as well where you have this kind of undead style enemy, you can use um, healing style magic to basically kill it. So any kind of like holy or uh, healing style light magic for lack of a better word um, is a great, great way to beat it. So um, I love the design it's very spooky so mm-hmm. that's kind of why it stuck with me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it very reminiscent of like a Castlevania uh death. Like that's that's the vibe I get from it. But the Lucifuge you will encounter in the Dark Dragon Nest, it'll come at you at level 51. It has 46,294 health. It has a break value of 83,329 experience. He will you will net 472 experience. Its strength is 1108, defense value of 861. Its art strength—it's uh, basically its magic attack strength—is eleven thirty-two. Art's defense is eight sixty-nine, and its speed is one hundred. It's pretty weak to uh, time space. Uh, the silver uh, attack—I I can't remember. I think it's uh, Mirage is
1: what it's called. Mirage,
0: yes, that's right. Mirage, time, space, and Mirage. Uh, it's weak. Yes, it's weak to Mirage-based arts um and then yeah it has no defense against poison seal blind burn freeze petrification and uh fainting so try and hit him with those status effects as well so that is lucifuge that is going to do it for another episode of rpg university bridget thank you so much for coming on and talking some cold steel this was a lot of fun
1: Thank you so much for having me and letting me ramble. The more I find people who love this series as much as I do, the more excited I get. So, thank you so much.
0: Oh, of course! It' absolute pleasure to finally have you on. And we we get like we said at the beginning. We got to spread the love. We got to get people to play these games and uh, just unite the. We have to unite the Class Seven worldwide of uh, the Legend of Heroes fans. So, but. Yeah. But where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? Uh, Go ahead and uh, plug your stuff away.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm predominantly on Twitter. So you can find me at Skyward Sire. Uh, Usually tweeting about games or anime or a combination of both. Uh, And I actually don't have anything cooking right now. But if you are interested in, um, you know, a smaller jrpg something to kind of just tickle your fancy for now um we did have a game that came out earlier this year called iodine chronicle rising so i'm gonna plug that it's a wonderful side scrolling action rpg it's only about 10 to 15 hours long so if you're looking for a colorful adventure with some very funny dialogue and some engaging combat then check it out
0: awesome Awesome. Yes. Be sure to give Bridget a follow over there on Twitter and check out Iodine Chronicles. Um, They're great. They're wonderful. But thank you though. To each and every one of you who's listened today, be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the, R- with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or you can share your own favorite RPGs and memories directly with me on Twitter, at Professor RPG. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class 7 dismissed.